regular intro music? Well, we don't have it because today we have a guest who is going to talk to us about mantra repetition. You mean it has something to do with the umming that we just did? Yes. Okay. Um, um. Our guest is a professor at Saginaw Valley State University and a, a doctoral candidate at Central Michigan University. Anita, hi. Hi, yeah, I'm Anita Pie, and uh, yes, that's my real name. It sounds like I need a pie. And yeah, I am a PhD student here at CMU, and I'm currently studying IO psychology. And for those of you that don't know IO psychology, it doesn't stand for input output psychology. It's industrial organizational. Input output. That's the. Uh behavioral component. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have yeah. some behaviors around here too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one example of an IO psychologist who's pretty famous in the field is Adam Grant, for those of you who watch his podcast, Work Life. Um, I once heard him define IO psychology as being how to make work not suck. And <laughs> I like that one a lot. I use it with my students sometimes just because it's very punchy of a definition. Very punchy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's basically workplace psychology, and it covers a wide range of topics from personnel selection and training all the way to the individual characteristics that separate the high performers from low performers in a workplace. Okay. Now, would a high performer be like Ralph and I sitting around doing, um, would that help us? <laughs> Maybe, it could. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, so that's something that we'll talk about. Personally, one of the topics that I focus on right now in my work is stress reduction techniques. Um, so I study the science behind stress and interventions that companies can use to try to promote the wellness of their employees. So, okay, like my, uh, my bank just redid, remodeled itself. And it went from a uh, typical bank with these high, high counters mm-hmm. to now a kind of a warm, inviting place when you come in, you sit down in a chair, and you're right across from the individual. Is that something that, would, that an IO psychologist would look at for uh, well, making work more comfortable? Yeah, little things like ergonomic adjustments in the workplace, the work environment. That's something that a lot of IO psychologists like to focus on. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing. Okay. How about the music that gets played in a lot of places? The music? Yeah. Um, like setting the tone for an environment? Uh, yeah. That could be. I think that's um, a very niche area for okay. a lot of people, so maybe not a major focus. Okay, Ralph and I go into a store here in Mount Pleasant called Rick's. That's where we both buy a lot of our groceries. Oh, yeah, I love Rick's. <laughs> <laughs> but have you noticed there's always music there? And it's music from the, what, the 60s, Ralph? 60s mostly. 60s, yeah. 70s, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Ralph and I were children back in the 60s. Well, Ralph might remember the 60s, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. (laughs) So, IO psychology is kind of all over the place. Music, chairs, uh, desks, you know, things that make, uh, uh, what, people more comfortable? 
Definitely. So more comfortable is one aspect of it. Um, employee well-being covers a lot of different things. So more comfortable is one. So there's physical comfort, there's mental well-being. So a lot of different aspects that go into there. Now, we started with uh, oming, right? Mm -hmm. yes. can, we, can, we, can we use that term? Um, because when we talked to you before the podcast, uh, you mentioned that this was an area of interest for you. Now, how did you get interested in it? In mantra repetition? Yeah. Um, well, I have some personal experiences with mantra repetition. So I am from America, but my parents came here from India. So I was lucky that they were able to show me a lot of different aspects of our culture. And so one of those is mantra repetition. And there's a lot of different ways that a person can get initiated into mantra repetition. Can you, um, can you give us a definition of mantra repetition? Yeah, repetition. so a mantra is a sort of spiritual formula. It's a short word or phrase that you can repeat over and over. And it doesn't have to be out loud. It can be done mentally. So mental repetition of a specific word or phrase would be a mantra repetition. Okay. If I were a grouchy person who was basically unlovable, I might, my, my guru might say, well, Jim, use the term, you know, love. Just you know, repeat love, love. And that would, what, saturate me with maybe a love? Um, so there is actually a distinction between positive affirmations uh -huh. and mantra repetition. So something like love would fall under the category, I think, of positive affirmation a little bit more yeah. because it doesn't have that same spiritual component to it. And when I say spiritual component, I'm not meaning something that's specifically religious. Okay. Um, spirituality doesn't necessarily have to be religious in nature. It can be, but it does not have to be. Um, so a spiritual formula might be something that comes from an established spiritual tradition. So there are a list of um, well-used words and phrases in traditions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, things like Ave Maria or Hare Krishna, a lot of different things that people can rely on. I think if you fall outside of the realm of organized religion, then Om is a nice one to fall into just because it doesn't prescribe to a specific religion and it's considered more of a sound than a word. Mm -hmm. So Om itself is considered the first sound of the universe. Um, my brother studies physics, I don't know the physics behind <laughs> Um, behind all of that, but it's more of a vibrational tone that you can focus on. Yeah, we were looking at that earlier, and the uh, typical orchestra, when it t tunes up, plays a note at, it's at A, which is 440 hertz. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we looked at some, some ohms, and they're down at 423 hertz. In fact, we saw one just a little bit ago, Ralph. Yeah. It was down at one eight, or 418. So a lot much lower, but it does kind of seem like it resonates with the universe. Okay, what would be an example though of a word that a person might use? Say a person is uh, a Buddhist or, or a Christian, or you know. Yeah. So um, if you are a Christian, you might be drawn to Ave Maria or maybe Jesus or something similar to that. Um, you can go online and find lists of mantras that are typically associated with each of these faiths. Okay. Um, but you don't necessarily have to choose one from your own faith either. It's not a strict box that you're in. Um, you could be a Christian and choose one that resonates with you from Hinduism or vice versa. So there's no strict box that you have to fall into as far as these go. Um, mantras themselves 
tend to all mean the same thing, which is a higher being or some sort of ultimate reality. And the purpose of choosing a word or phrase that falls into that higher reality is try to give yourself a little bit more perspective on yourself and your own life, whether that's on a conscious or unconscious level. Interesting. Okay. So when, I, when we were oming at the beginning, I did not realize that that was a mantra. It was, I thought it was, you know, just some interesting words. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I was working on the liner notes and I mentioned that to, to our listeners that you can do these things um, by yourself. You don't have to be in a in a office or anything like that. But I also think you could drive people a little crazy if you were sitting there going um. Oh, out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I think it's more effective actually if you say it in your own head versus uh -huh. saying it out loud. I'm gonna try that right now. <laughs> Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Yeah, very so, easy. It's very portable and a lot less obtrusive than you know <laughs> saying it all day long, twenty four seven. Portable. Well, let me ask you then, Anita. One of the things that it comes up in classic philosophy of the West is the idea of knowing yourself. So, do you think mantra repetition helps people to know themselves? Is it a way of, of tunneling into your core ideas and values and who you are? Absolutely. I think um, right now in our day and age, we're bombarded with a lot of information. And so with that comes a lot of chatter in our minds. So to be able to quiet that chatter, um, that's actually thought of in Zen teaching as the monkey mind. So it's the idea that our thoughts are like monkeys jumping around in our head and like they're causing all of this mischief. And so we have to wrangle them in order to keep our thoughts stable. And I think stability and control over our thoughts is what really helps us get to know ourselves at our center. Okay, so how about you, Ralph? Are you monkey minded these days? Uh, I seem to be, uh, although I try to be a pretty good monkey wrangler at times. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I see this a lot with some of the kids I work with at the clinic. You know, they're kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And getting quiet is very difficult for a lot of children. Uh, and that's because we don't necessarily have a very quiet environment for them. You know, I think of a kid going to school at seven o'clock in the morning. You know, it's a pretty loud place and it's loud until three in the afternoon. I want, just thinking aloud, do you think it would be beneficial for, I don't kids to have a, an ohm break? I think so. I think yeah. part of the nature of being a child is you're very excited by lots of different information and you're very curious. So mm -hmm. um, I don't want to put a dampener on any of that, but I do think that it could be a way of helping people emotional re emotionally regulate themselves. Uh -huh. um, so I can see children really benefiting from that if they're very prone to outbursts or anything like that. Maybe practicing mantra repetition could be a way of helping them have something to focus on and still themselves in appropriate environments. Mm -hmm. So back in the day when Jim and I were kids, we did not have ADHD. Mm -hmm. We just had bad kids. In fact, mm -hmm. we were bad kids. Criminals, uh, I would think is a better term. It's hard uh, to believe. <laughs> but um, 
So thinking of kids with ADHD, which seems to be an increasingly common uh, diagnosis these days, do you think that instead of giving them uh, some sort of, of drug, that working with um, mind quieting exercises like mantras would be a help, a value to somebody with ADHD? I think so. I wouldn't consider mantra repetition as a drug. I wouldn't liken them the same way. Mm -hmm. When I think about drugs, I think about dampening or numbing. And I think that mantra repetition has a more focusing effect versus a numbing one. So I don't want to liken the two terms together, but I can see it helping people to maintain control over their thoughts. So a little bit about the neurology of mantra repetition is that it activates the front and sides of the brain. So the frontal lobe and the parietal lobe are both activated when you recite a mantra. So this has been shown in MRI studies that repeating a short word or phrase can activate those parts of the brain. And the frontal and parietal lobes are also responsible for selective attention. So with people with ADHD, for instance, um, if they're having issues with maintaining focus, this isn't a cure or anything like that, but it can definitely aid people in maintaining control over their thoughts and their monkeys, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> so we become better monkey wranglers with uh with mantra repetition. Mm -hmm. And um, when I say monkeys, so it, <laughs> it's a funny term, but it, I'm thinking about negative thoughts, the spiraling ones that get out of control. I'm also thinking about impulses. So things like cravings, for instance, can also be caught under control if you're interrupting the negative thought patterns with a mantra. So that's essentially what I'm referring to when I'm using the monkey analogy. Yeah, yeah. we, yeah. we don't want to you know, make PETA upset. We're not really talking about doing anything bad to monkeys, right, Ralph? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things then that, that I can also see is that if you have better control of your thinking, perhaps then you are uh, less ready to go down that black hole of depression. Mm -hmm. uh, Churchill, uh, for example, the PM of Britain during World War II uh, was often subject to, to uh, what he called the black dog of depression. And in spite of the fact that his speeches always sounded upbeat and positive, inside he knew that he was feeling really uh, depressed, that he was terrified that Britain would not be able to uh, come out victors in the war. And so maybe if he had better control of his thoughts, he would have been able to say, but I can overcome this black depression. Yeah, well, there was a reason why he was depressed, Ralph. He, England just about didn't come through it. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> that kind of depression is actually realistic. Yeah, and we are talking about the Prime Minister of uh, England, right? Yes, okay. the, the man who had the ultimate responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, we were talking earlier, Ralph, about um, maybe long-term effects of um, mantra usage. And do you have a, any thoughts about what this does for people 10 years down the road? Or if, if I 
spend you know a month or so just doing it, and then I don't do it anymore. You know what? What am I? Have I gained anything? Yeah. So um, I know that there is a large difference between when you start doing the mantra repetition versus when it, you've really absorbed it. Mm -hmm. So starting off with the mantra, it sounds. It feels very silly, you know, sitting there and repeating a phrase over and over. Um, it's a little bit unnatural going in, but if you have the discipline to stick with it over a longer period of time, so maybe a month or 10 years down the road, then you'll find yourself in situations where you begin repeating the mantra in your head automatically. So it's more of an unconscious process at that point because the neural pathway for that mantra has been so strengthened that you're able to rely on it for emotional regulation without having to consciously think about it or go into the process of repeating the mantra because it's already there and already giving you the benefits and help that you need to maintain your focus on the present situation. Well, this is interesting because um, I'm, I don't know if my wife is going to listen to this podcast or not, but um, I drive her crazy when we Go, get into heavy traffic in areas like Detroit. <laughs> now you're what you're in Dallas area, right? I am. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd be crazy down there too. You know, five lanes in either direction, right? That kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. so I'm a really bad passenger in a car. Okay. And um, like I say, it drives her crazy. So I talked to my doc about it, and he said, "Oh, we can fix that. A little Xanax. Next time you go down to Detroit, you have a Xanax." And, I did it and it worked, but I'm thinking now, maybe uh, if I get into a situation where I don't have any Xanax and I'm, I'm, you know, kind of panicking, maybe just revert to. Um, yeah, it's worth a shot. I have <laughs> definitely. I myself have a lot of stage fright, so right before this podcast, I was um, just repeating my mantra in my head over and over, and that helped me a lot more than any Xanax would, I think. Um, but yeah, it's different for everybody, but I think this one is at least harmless, uh, definitely worth a shot if mm -hmm. you want an alternative to something yeah. like that. Keep the yeah. Xanax with me, but try, <laughs> yeah. try that instead. Try yeah. Yeah. Try the mantra instead. Well, and we would not know that you had stage fright prior to coming in because you're very poised and yeah, the mantra's uh, working. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the uh, one of the trivial things is that uh, a long time ago, about 20 years ago, I drove through Dallas Fort Worth area uh, on a sabbatical that I spent in Texas around the Aransas Pass area. And I was in a van and I was towing a trailer and going through that five lane traffic in a van uh, just about did me in. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. It's very different than being in Mount Pleasant where there's just two streets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the thing with, uh, with any area like that is the people who know where they're going uh, do it automatically. They don't even have to think about, you know, my exit is coming up. But if you're there for the first time and you're saying, where do I get off here? Uh, it's always yeah. challenging. Well, you and, better have Siri helping you out, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, we'll, we'll get back talking to you about Siri in another couple of weeks. Because AI has really uh, evolved since we talked about it six months ago. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about, about this. Uh, so Taylor Swift, watch it, okay. <laughs> um. uh, anyway, getting back to mantra, um, so assuming that 
somebody listening to us has decided that maybe having a, a personal mantra is a, is a good thing, how would you say a beginner should get started? What do we do? Um, well, the first thing would probably be to have a mantra. Um, so there are lists available online. You can find one that really speaks out to you. Once you choose a mantra, you should make sure that you stick with it. So you don't want to choose um, another mantra after choosing one that you liked, just because switching around makes the neural pathways weaker. So you want to find one and just stick with it. And that's how you can reap the most benefits out of a mantra. Okay. So in Learn More, we should... Um find a list and put it up there, Ralph. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things you said, Anita, is that there are lists of uh, mantras for Christians, for uh, Buddhists, for Hindus. Um, and for non-religious but spiritual people, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, and presumably wherever you're coming from then you can find one and they all work in the same way basically in terms of what they do in the brain? Right, so the function is the same. So the brain processes it as a short word or phrase. It's good if you have low associations with it. So for instance, if you use a positive affirmation, you probably have some pictures or um, words or ideas that come along when you hear that positive affirmation. Whereas if you choose a mantra, um, especially one from a different language for instance, then there's no associations really tied to it. It's just the word or phrase. So these are things that will really strengthen those neural pathways and help you to receive the benefits of mantra repetition. Okay, so I shouldn't choose a mantra that uh, in terms of making uh, making life, uh, making work life not suck. I shouldn't choose a <laughs> mantra like, my boss is an ass. Oh, no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe something that I don't have any associations with so that uh, I can say, um, well, um, and I can just say, okay, that that's a sound, it doesn't bring any pictures to my head. Right, yeah. so a good mantra should have low associations, but also some sort of personal significance. So if you find one that really stands out to you or it has a meaning to it that you think is really good for you and the way that you view the world, then that is a good mantra to choose to get started. Well, thank you very much, Anita. This is quite informative. Ralph, I think we should try doing some mantra what? Mantra humming? No, it's what would be the word? It would be mantra repetition Mat or mantra meditation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I try to meditate sometimes more successfully than others, but I'll give this a try. Well, again, thank you, Anita, for coming in and uh, into our palatial studio here at the university. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, we'd like to have you back again sometime, talking about other aspects. You can check up on Ralph and I and see if the modular repetition has helped, or if we're still as monkeyed as we were when you saw us the first time. So, until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying... Keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all, all in, in this, this together. together.